Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. My name is Joe Thomas. I'm the Echoes Everton FC correspondent. And alongside me, we've got my colleague, Connor O'Neill. And I'm trying to work out what epitaph we came up with for you, Gav, last week. And, and, and I can't quite remember. So you're preeminent statistician, Gav Buckland. Yeah, it was, it was Cillian Murphy, Brad Pitt, lookalike, Gavin Buckland, I believe. <laughs> There we go. Well, here we are, lads. We're on the eve of the new season. It's finally here. Eight weeks ago, after all that stress concluded and, and lifted with with um, Adelaide Decorey's won the goal against Bournemouth, and we were all able to put the Blues to one side for a couple of weeks in in theory, at least. We're we're back, and uh, I think this is what this podcast is going to have to be about, really. Cause as we speak, him Evan have signed um, Yusef Chimiti. That's a deal that's been done, but. I think we've already discussed that at length on, on this podcast. I think it was clear that he was already on his way. And Sean Dyche, if anybody had any if anybody had any doubt, Sean Dyche basically opening to openly talking about him as Ascension Everton player in his press conference on Thursday probably should have reassured everybody. So Everton have a new forward, but that's not going to be their only forward, hopefully. Obviously, where have we heard that before in a, in a transfer window? They are seeking to, to find further reinforcements up top and hopefully trying to find someone. And Sean Dyche told me yesterday, you know, that um, there are players that they are actively following and, and essentially talks are ongoing with to find a more experienced striker that can bridge that gap between the youth of Chimiti and then obviously the, the promise of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Connor, bit of good news going into the first game of the season, but we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go with an overview of everything. Where's your head at with Everton? Where are they going to finish this season? <laughs> Sort of off sound difficult. I I actually think they'll will be okay. I actually think they'll, they'll, they will be okay this season. I think I, I actually agree with what Jamie Carragher said earlier on the week. I don't know if you've seen it on the overlap where he said, you know, Everton will be effective, but they won't be great to watch. And I think that'll be the case for a large parts this season. I think we'll pick up points. I think we'll be we'll be hard to beat, and you know, I think. If we do win, it'll be by the odd goal. And if we do lose, it'll be by the odd goal, as boring, predictable as that sounds. But yeah, I, I think Everton could finish anywhere between kind of the 11th to 15th mark this, this season, which, you know, doesn't sound much in the grand scheme of things. But given the last two years, it's a, a, a vast improvement. You know, I think you know, we, this has been said at length in the last, but, you know, if Everton are into March, April, and they're already safe, <laughs> that'd be just a relief for us all, I think, after, after the last two years. But, yeah, I think I've still got doubts over, over Everton in the sense of the squad is still threadbare and you are that one or two injuries and a couple of suspensions apart from really starting to panic and worry a little bit. Um, but as we stand right now, obviously everyone's, you know, the squad Everton have got for the open day, obviously there's, there's a few missing. You know, I'm, I'm quite confident that they can pick up enough points this season to be, you know, relatively clear of danger. Albeit, you know, not exactly challenging for the top half, but, you know, clear of danger and, and, and quite solid throughout the, the, the campaign. And, you know, I think in terms of doing anything about that, it, it, I know, again, it sounds like a broken record, but it depends on Dominic Calvert-Loon, doesn't it? I think if they get him fifth, they get him playing in the majority of matches, they've got a chance of, you know, maybe possibly being a little bit more than, than just kind of okay across the campaign. If he's not fit, it might be a struggle, and you know, unless they bring someone in. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? We don't, we don't really know until you know, three weeks chest he wasn't when the window closed. I think it's only got maybe gauge and a, a real judgment of where we see Everton. But I think as we stand right now, 
I'm, I'm quietly confident that you know we've got enough to be comfortably mid-table and, and not battling relegation. Certainly not going into the final day of the season, even to win to preserve our Premier League status. You said 11 to 15th doesn't sound much. I mean, my heart's doing cartwheels at the prospect of 11. I don't know what's going on. There'll be someone out there who's telling me how far we've fallen. I'd bite your hand off at 15th. Yeah, I'd bite your hand off as well. Uh, Gav, I mean, where's your head? Do you agree with Connor? Are you more optimistic, less optimistic? I was going to say 11 to 15, but I'm quite scared about saying that for your, uh, for your healthy or heart, you know, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think broadly, uh, I mean, some of it's going to be, it's it's an unknown, is it? At the moment, we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks in terms of what we we bring in. If we bring, if we bring a couple of players in, I think I'd definitely be confident. I... I'm not going to repeat what Connor said because I think I think what he said was spot on. I've noticed an increasing sense of optimism amongst Everton fans over the last month. Uh, to be fair, you know, by that you know that great sample size that's on Twitter, you know. But I think um, I think I'm a bit more confident last year that this time twelve months ago because of dice really compared to Lampard and his experience and and and, and so on. I think the key thing for me, really, for this season, which we didn't get right last season, is both Lampard and Dice had similar ends to the campaign fighting allegation. It's then going into the next season where it's a completely different ball game, where you're playing like sort of what we call business as usual matches, where that that that, that tension and stress and all that goes with it about fighting allegation games transitioning into a, a more a less dangerous area and I think Frank wasn't prepared for that in terms of managing the players and how, how to do that you know that the usual stuff week in week out and I think Dice has got a track record of doing that so I think I'm far more comfortable with Dice managing us now compared to Frank 12 months ago for that reason and uh, also as well and this is just the general consensus is it's a poor bottom half of the table this season than, than last isn't it so, Big Connor says, I think 11th may be more slightly optimistic, and, but you don't know, do you? With a couple of signings, I'd say any, I'd, I'd buy, buy your hand off to something like 15th, 12th, 14th, 13th, I think it'd be decent. I think, um, and some of it will depend on what other clubs do, don't they, really? And that, you know, it's not just about us, as we know from the last two seasons, we look at all the people's results all the time, but. I think lower mid table will be a will be a decent uh, decent um, result for us. I think also as well, I always say this, where the we can signs of improvement that you know we can build on for the following campaign. So some of our younger players push on, and we know they can push on further in the following season. So yeah, thirteen to fifteen for me. Yeah, I, I, I largely agree with that as well, I, and I agree with your sentiment about being a strong position because Deitch is there. I, I think Everton kind of writing this for a piece for tomorrow morning, essentially be my royal blue column. But, you know, I think Everton are a stronger position this time than this season compared to they were this time last summer, simply because I think there's there's no naivety around the place. You know, I think yeah. Sean Dyche will have them on a war footing from the minute that whistle goes against Fulham. And they'll know that they're in a battle and they'll know that every point is to try and get to that, you know, 35, 36, 40 point mark. And then everything from there is a bonus and they'll, yeah, they'll do everything they can to get to there and then look to build from that point, providing they get there in the first place. And I think that lack of kind of 
naivety and optimism, which I think probably most people had back in the last season. I certainly had it. I thought that, you know, the side that Lampard had that narrowly avoided relegation, I thought was a better side than it had fared that season. It just had a lot of bad luck with injuries, bad decisions, and it got itself into a negative spiral of momentum. And if you took that group of players out of that context, gave them a six-week break to refresh mentally and physically, they'd naturally come back, you know, seven or eight points better off than they had been the season before. Obviously, we now know that wasn't the case. Of course, it wasn't. Um, but I don't think there'll be any kind of sense of, of, of that sense of, as I say, naivety or, or ignorance to a, a relegation battle that might lie ahead going into this season. And I think Everton will be stronger for it because, you know, I do think Sheffield United will struggle. I do think Luton will struggle. And I also think there are probably a couple of sides that finished in mid-table last season that don't yet realise that they're going into a relegation battle this season. And obviously, if they start from you know, a point of aiming for higher up and they end up in trouble and there are disadvantages as a result of that. You know, there is a couple of clubs that look quite messy at the moment and whilst Everton clearly have their own issues, you know, on and off the pitch, it's quite reassuring to see other clubs, you know, also have their own difficulties, which you think will will, will taint their efforts this season. Wolves in particular at the moment. I mean, Julian Lopetegui going this close to the start of the season and what their you know what their owners are saying about you know profit and sustainability and, and, and what they can do in this transfer market is quite interesting. But for all the moves that Everton didn't make last January when they needed a striker, I think we all agreed this at the time and even more so now. I mean things like that fifty million pound committals to pay for for, for, for the striker Cunha who only got two goals for him yeah well those are the type of deals that took Everton into the mess that they're now trying to get out of and you know Wolves are in that situation now Connor obviously you know we're well aware of the fact that the transfer window remains open and you know we anticipate seeing players come in and out of Everton after this Chimiti deal in, in the next few weeks what what do you think what do you think is essential for Evan to do? What's the bare minimum that Kevin Farwell and Sean Dyche need to do between now and, and the end of that transfer window to give them a, a proper chance of not necessarily just surviving this season, but like Gav said, and he echoes whether or not he listened to Sean Dyche's press conference yesterday, but I think he echoes the words of the Sean Dyche where, where there's a sense of, I think they want to use the season as a building block to not just survive, but survive with a little bit of safety and a little bit of an opportunity to build, to create something that they can build on for the longer term. What what needs to happen for that to be a possibility over the coming weeks? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. He's bringing another forward in. Arguably a winger. And if you're being, you know, really greedy, another centre back. And also get rid of what you would be describing some of the dead wood that is knocking knocking around. Obviously, you know, like Gabana, Andre Gomez, Mason Holgate, Damari Gray. You know, there's there's a few players there who have either been linked with moves away or 
basically there's no future for them at the club, you know, which is quite clear given their lack of playing time during during pre season. So I think they, you know, they need to them four things basically are essential. I think they can get another forward in kind of a more established forward, a more, you know, Premier League experienced uh, forward, a winger, you know, arguably maybe a right winger, you know, a centre back and and then I could say move move some of the lesser squad players out out of the equation, whether that be on loan or on a permanent basis, just to trim the trim not just trim the squad but trim the wage budget as well. Because you know it's probably still quite quite high given everyone's given everyone's back and no one's really left this summer. So I think they're the they're the four things that Kevin Felwell and Sean Dice need to do to, to really put building blocks in place um, for this season because you don't want to have a case to you where you end up with you know five or six players who remain at the club come the end of the window who you know either knew that their future didn't like the club at the start of the summer but have, have not left or wanted to leave and just you know they couldn't find somewhere else to go because obviously that makes you know quite difficult in terms of where you go next with them players so I think you know Korean Cummins and, and try and get maybe rid of three or four outgoings and, and, and look to build that way because like we've seen in Everton over the years you know you can have as big a squad as you want but they've got to be of some use you know and there's a lot of players there who I, think, I don't think are much use to Sean Dyson and, and that's been reflected in what we've seen so far this pre-season because there has been a, a, dis, a distinct lack of game time for a lot of a lot of the squad so yeah I think you know ideally Korean Cummins you know striker winger and, and a centre-back and then look to move you know three or four or maybe maybe a couple more out on on loan or on a permanent basis to just to trim the squad and, and shave on the wage budget. How about yourself, Gary? I don't know as articulated the thing to the positions we need to strengthen. I think what I would be want to see him do is I'd be interested to see what his tactics are, this how he sets up this season. Whether he goes with, you know, the four, five, one you know, that, that, that he used at the end of the last season or or whether um, he does something else. But one of the fascinating things is Tom Davis is gone, hasn't he? And mm-hmm. we've not been in the market for another midfielder, have we? Not knowingly, no. Not that I'm aware of. That indicates to me that he might be happy just playing two midfielders rather than three this season and maybe moving towards a more four four one one, four four two um lineup. And I think that that that's what I'd like to see is is, 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 is see how he how he changes it. I think the one thing that I don't think is going to be addressed in this transfer window, but is possibly an issue for me, is one of my old hobby horses is the the ages of the players in the squad. Is we've got a lot of young players, you know, be, the, the the sweet spot for the player for me is between the ages of twenty four and twenty eight. And if you ever listen to me over the years, is that's when you know. That those are the ages you want your players at. We've got That's a lot of players. Prime, I think, isn't it, Gav? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like to think my prime got yet to reach it. Joe, to be fair, well, you see me this week. Yeah, that that's. Uh, I think that's not going to happen. But it's seriously, you know, if you have a lot of play, we've got a lot of players outside of that. That that that, that range. We've got a lot of young players. A lot of them are promising. I mean, and we've got a lot of older players over twenty eight. And I think when that happens, that you can get into slightly d- dangerous territory um, as a manager because it needs difficult. It can be difficult. I mean, it, it, I hear people saying, "Oh, some of our younger players are laying off the older players." They don't. Once you reach thirty, and I've heard quite a lot of old pros say about this, you don't want to give. You haven't got the time to give advice and support to younger players. You've got enough problems trying to look after your own fitness and. Um, 
your own fitness and the way you're playing and your own, you know, just keeping your body uh, body fit and up to speed. So I think that's a, that's a danger with the squad as I see it. Mm. Is we haven't got a lot of players in the sweet, sweet spot at their peak and there's reasons for that, obviously. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how Dice, um, Dice manages that. I mean, he could have a defence, couldn't he, with a 21-year-old right-back and a 38-year-old left-back, a 31-year-old centre-half and a 21-year-old centre-half. Yeah, he, could, he certainly could do. You know, and that... that Whereas if you look at, say, Moise's best team, he had four defenders, say, Hibbert, Jagielka, Lescott, Baines, all between the ages of 24 and 27. And so I think that that's going to be a challenge for Dice, I think, how that squad balance and meshes together and, and stuff. And uh, that, that'd be the other fascinating thing for me, really. I mean, it's an interesting point you make, and I think that... Yeah, there has to be an acknowledgement this is going to be a transition year. Yeah. Some of those changes will probably happen naturally. Um, you know, I think we, we may well have discussed this at previous times this summer on the pod, but we may not. I can't quite remember. Ne- next summer clearly represents a big op- opportunity for, you know, Kevin Falwell, Sean Deitch, if, if he then extends his stay at Everson because his contract would, would, Oh no, sorry, you've got another year after that. Sorry. Um, that's their best opportunity to remodel this squad. A lot of the big wages go, a lot of the older players go, Andre Gomez goes, John Philip Gabamin goes, Idrissa Gay goes, Abdullah Decore goes. Obviously, you know, if their contracts, if, you know, they don't sign sign new deals. So there's a real opportunity to kind of lower the age of the squad and also free up some money, certainly from the wage bill, to perhaps try and get players earlier on in their career. And obviously, similarly, the likes of Amadou Anana, James Garner, Nathan Patterson, etc., will all be one year further on as well, won't they? I think um, I think it's fair to say that on a number of levels, there's there, there are lots of reasons to be. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. If everyone can get to the end of this season, still be in the Premier yeah. League, there's a real opportunity then to be positive and to be proactive in a rebuild. They've just kind of got to get there first, haven't they? And I think that might be a little bit clunky this season. Like what Carragher said, you know, I don't think they'll always be the best team to watch. Um, I think, you know, some of the games might be quite quite grueling and they might just have to battle out 1-0 wins and snatch points here and there. But hopefully it'll all be working towards a greater goal in the long term, won't it? And I think it's probably quite encouraging to see some younger players you know, come in, like obviously you know, Chimiti. Uh, we see Nathan Patterson being given a chance, will be asking a lot of competition, but given a you know, chance in pre-season, you suspect that right back is going to be his his position. I think four four one one feels like the most sensible. It feels like the the best way to get the best eleven players on the pitch mm. for Everton. Yeah, I think Ar- Arno Danjuma. If you play him in that support striker role to Dominic Calvert Lewin, I think that's where he does his most damage. I think that's where he's most effective for yeah. Villarreal in the season. He took him to a Champions League semi final. And also what it does do is if you play him in that kind of support striker role, it doesn't mean that you're then taking Dwight McNeil, who are probably Evans' most effective attacking player in the second half of last season. You're not then moving him out of position to then try and accommodate other people. So that requires him from being to be fit. And I suppose... I think there are legitimate concerns about the idea of a two in midfield, what would essentially be a two-man set of midfield for Everton. But if you had McNeil on the left and Awobi on the right, 
it would probably effectively be a flat midfield four and uh, two midfield two wide midfielders under Dice at the end of last season did a lot of defensive work. So you, you perhaps kind of, you know, maintain some of the resilience defensively by having them doing the jobs that they so often do under Deitch. One of the interesting things, I guess, is possibly that we're going to see the disconnect between how Everton, how Deitch wants to line up um, and how he can line up for, for Fulham. Obviously, we know yeah, there's a, a little bit of kind of uncertainty over Dan Juma and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think both players think that they're pretty much ready to come in. I think the manager, understandably, is cautious about bringing in players too soon. We we know why, because Everton have been burned by that on so many occasions, particularly with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But it's quite it's going to be intriguing to see how he lines up tomorrow, isn't it, Connor? Because for all the optimism about the potential for a mid-table finish, the injuries that Everton currently have and with the transfer with work still clearly to be done within the transfer window tomorrow the season could start with a real reflection of how much of how vulnerable Everton are to suspensions and injuries couldn't it I mean if there's no McNeil no Calvert-Lewin no Dan Juma then that's going to be quite an interesting attack and unit there and I, I don't quite know how he addresses that probably Mope up top and you know, maybe a Wobi on the left and Garner on the right. I think it's, and it's bad to say this, but you know, it's the first day. It's like your worst fears. The worst fears you can think of come in reality, isn't it? In some respects. And I know what I said earlier about, like, you know, the threadbare squads and a couple of injuries. You're almost living that worst nightmare tomorrow, aren't you? Essentially, because if that, you know, Dan Juma and Calvert don't make it, obviously, McNeil won't make it. You know, it is very much going to be Neil Mopé expected to lead the line with James Garner on the right, it will be on the left. So, yeah, I think we'll be getting a, a first-hand look of what Everton could look like with a few injuries or suspensions in the age or in the season, right? which is quite yeah, quite alarming for the opening day. But it, it, it's, it's baffling, is a little bit of Dan Drew and Calvert-Lewin, though, isn't it? Because, you know, Dice is, is seemingly, you know, well, he's, he, he played both of the fact both of them being available down when I spoke to him, you know, after the sport game and... I know when you were at the press conference on Thursday, he, was, he doubled down on them, them kinds of predictions, them, them claims that he made last last Saturday. But both players have separately, you know, indicators that Dan Juma has been tweeting. I think like he's back training and stuff like that. And obviously, Calvert Lewin, you know, told told ourselves that he feels fit and ready to go to go on the opening day against Fulham. So I, I don't know whether maybe both of them might not start, but they might be on the bench or at least Calvert Lewin will be on the bench and he could come on. Which I think when you think of how. Obviously, Sean Dyche was very reluctant to use the substitutions last season and always has been, but I think that would be a, a boost for Everton, a, a bit of, a, a bit a small boost, but he'd boost that at least Calvert Loom's on the bench to be able to come on with half an hour to go if if you know if they're chasing the game or it's nil nil or you know, just, just that bit of fresh impetus. So yeah, I think in terms of the start lineup, if Calvert Loon and Andrew don't make it, which you know seems to be the case. The team essentially picks itself, doesn't it? Because when you think, you know, Demar Gray's not kicked the ball this season for Everton pre-season, so you can't expect him to be anywhere near Sean Dice. Just thinking, obviously, there's major question marks around his future anyway. But yeah, I think you know, if we're being honest, I think it's the worst, our worst fears coming true. Um, but you just got to hope that this is a one-off for the start of the season. And, you know, from Villa onwards, we'll see Calvert Lewin and Dan Juma playing. We'll start most weeks. Obviously, McNeil will be back soon rather than later. Absolutely. Gav, what's your starting lineup for tomorrow? If we work on the basis that, say, 
say he doesn't take a chance with either Dan Gima or, or Calvert-Lewin, um, where are you going? Uh, I don't know. I think we said Mopay, didn't we, on, uh, as much as it, someone may find that unpalatable. Said that I don't on, on know that there's any other real solution. Obviously, Tom Cannon has been injured for the vast majority of pre-season and... and you know, Yusuf Chimiti, well, he, you know, everything was announced in advance of midday on Friday. So I don't foresee there being a, an administrative problem um, with him playing. Obviously, they, they have to be signed off by noon, the work, the last working day before the fixture. So if the, you would imagine that would get done before the announcement is made and therefore he would be he would be fine. But obviously, he's someone, I mean, he hasn't even trained with, or as of this morning, he may have done since... Yeah, he hasn't been with the first team yet. So I mean, he's he's not going to come. Or be very surprised if he 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 came straight in. So I don't actually know how they they, they line up with that. And, and yeah, you're not going to mope around, you really. Um, I don't, I think the fascinating one for me really tomorrow is centre half, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Okay. I think that's going to be quite quite an intriguing one in terms of. Dice is thinking. I think it would say. I mean, assuming Tarkovsky is mm. fit or available, it, it, will 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 he go for Brandsbury straight away, or will he want to look at him a bit more? And then he end up probably playing maybe Keane, uh, Keane and Mopai in the same team. Interesting reaction. Um, Two keepers on the bench. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think that would be an interesting insight into Dice's thinking about for the season, really, about whether he throws Brantwaite in straight away with Tarkovsky. I think that that's that, that that's an area that, that when I get the team sheets at two o'clock tomorrow, that'll be the first thing I'll look at. Mm. Who's playing centre half? Because um, I think the other ones sort of fall. Mopai. Did you think Garner will play wide right again? I just. Yeah. I'm trying to see how else they line up, but you know they could maybe, yeah. you know, pack the middle and and go for a four-five-one. Maybe Lewis Dobbin might get in, in, involved. Uh, I don't think he's likely to be um, a long-term solution to the Premier League squad. But given the lack of options they've got at the minute, obviously Mikalenko has played two forty-five minutes. You'd imagine he'd be in the same situation as Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Otherwise, playing him at left back would free up Ashley Young to play up on the left of midfield, and that solves a lot of the or, or a chunk of the issues anyway. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something similar to sport, and then we ended up with you know Garner and Awobi out wide, and and going from there. Really, that that, that may well end up being the case. I should I should think, but I mean it's hard to second guess because again, you've ever been unfortunate because if if arguably their three most potent attacking threats are all out. That's, you know, that is unlucky this, this stage of the season, but obviously it's something that you have to roll with. And most squads are now capable of being able to deal with those type of, you know, those type of absences and, and still feel something resembling a competitive attacking unit. I'm not sure Everton quite can, although obviously we know that there's time in the window left and moves underway to try and continue to strengthen that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll just be being incessant conundrum in, in a couple of places, and but hopefully you'll see in the next couple of weeks that will 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 be more more towards close strength. So, what you said about McNeil yesterday, don't know what you thought. 
Yeah, well, we we reported that last last weekend that the you know when when Dyke spoke to Connor, he said that it was going to be weeks for for McNeil. So, you know, that's clearly an issue. Uh, it's more of an issue when Dan Juma isn't available or Mikalenko isn't available because obviously Dan Juma can either play there or or Mikalenko can free Ashley Young up to play there, like we saw against Wigan. Um, yeah. Having the two of them out at the same time is you know is unfortunate. Uh, like I say, Dan Juma may well be in and around. I, I was with him at Finch Farm earlier on this week and he seemed quite confident about his fitness. Um, but again, we can completely understand why Sean Dyche would choose to be cautious with players in their return be- because of, of you know of, of how fragile that squad is and how important these players are in the longer term to them. So yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I, I'd be surprised if he started Bradford in the sense that I just think that Everton have so li- have limited op- they have limited options at centre back, and they still have quite a threadbare squad. And I think that the we know that Michael Keane's a confidence player, and okay, confidence doesn't matter so much if he's not in the side. But the message that that might send to someone he might end up relying on sooner rather than later, say for instance, if Bramfwaite struggles when he comes in, I think that'd be a big call to put him in, you know, to 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 send that message out straight away when there are so few options and alternatives. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, it's your place. It's your, your place to lose, Michael. Would be the message, wouldn't it? Really, I, I think so. And then if he loses it, he, you know, there, there's less of a complaint there, isn't there? I think. And yeah. but that's it. If if Brad, if, we, if the, you know if the young buck comes straight in, Michael Keane's sitting there thinking, well, that might be my Everton career done. Well, you'd forgive him for starting to think, well, I'm, you know, I've got fortnight now to try and move somewhere else. If I'm that, if I'm that in that position in the pecking order, and that's probably a bit of uncertainty that Everton don't need because, you know, Michael Keane is a divisive character among the fan base in terms of, you know, whether he should be starting or not. But one thing Everton certainly can't be doing at the minute, bearing in mind the losses that they've already had in that position and the likely departure of, of, of Mason Holgate, they can't start losing centre-backs. Um, and at the moment, you, you would think that squad harmony does you know, have a particularly significant impact and importance at the beginning of the season when you that's my thoughts anyway that's it right Connor first time this season gonna come to you first for for predictions what are you going with 2-1 Everton 2-1 Everton who's scoring for you Neil Mopé and Decore Mopé is gonna right the wrongs of the Fulham home game last season I think there's a, an element of, you know, him making up for, for them misses in what proved what could have proved vital to Everton's Premier League future. Not not that solely, but you know, certainly in that game when they got on top and he missed two glorious chances when it won one. So yeah, I think he'll uh, he'll atone for them them misses last season. And I think Decor will pick up from where he left off at Goodison, obviously on the final day of last season when uh, his goal sent everyone quite literally wild. Gav, what are you saying? Uh, I'm going for the same score as last time he faced Fulham on the open day, 1-0. Um, Alan Ball scored that day on his Everton debut, so it, it would so follow that. But I've I just have, I just got a funny feeling Calvert-Lewin will play tomorrow. Yeah, I... I, I funny feeling. I think there's bluff, counter-bluff and all this is going on. It, and sounds, I'm going to go like, with, it sounds like we almost don't... It's not that we don't necessarily believe what Sean Dyche is saying, but yeah. I, as I say, when he's got such a, I think we cover this on Monday, when he's got such a small squad as he has at the minute, 
there are so few options that, that he's got that, I mean, bluffing is one of the best opportunities he's got to cause a little bit of uncertainty with Fulham, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say DCL. We don't even know who's going to play, so that makes that a great, uh, great prediction to start well, off with. I'm going, to, I'm going to go high high risk at the start of the season. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm sticking with you. I think 1 0. I mean, we have to start on a positive note. I think it might not be pretty to watch, but I also think Fulham have their own issues at the moment. Um, and I think Everton, you know, Goodison, crowd behind them, sun shining, Neil Mope, proven Everton don't need to do any more work in the, the transfer market up top. There's the verdict, Rob. There's the verdict for tomorrow. Cement, cementing his name in the. In, in the analogy. Well, also, I can tell you, Sean, I hope you look a bit warm than what you did last Saturday. You looked as though you were reporting from the middle of December. I was cold. Cold. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened there. It was freezing. <laughs> <laughs> it was cold and raining. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was you know, I, I, think, I think one of Dan Juma or Calvert Lewin starts. Um, yeah, I do. And I think that it might be a, like a bit of a clunky game between two sides that are both in a bit of transition. Um, and I think that, you know, Everton will hopefully just about come out on top and there'll be three points. Now, take the pressure then off going to Villa um, the following week and, and hopefully Everton will be able to just, just build from a positive start and you know, start getting the players back up to proper fitness, those that have been out next week, hopefully. Well, they've got a tough game on me the week later, so... Yeah, oh, they're all tough, but Villa away. Looks yeah, tough. Villa away is going to be very, very tough, isn't it? So it's been very, very tough. Right, everyone. For the last time of this preseason, we have been the Royal Blue Podcast. Thank you very much for sticking through us through our rambles and our chats. What during the close season, Everton being Everton, have obviously provided us with plenty of things to talk about. But we understand at some points we've probably stretched it a little bit, and the amount of times we said Everton need a striker, I, I care not to count. But thanks very much for joining us all summer. Please stick with us throughout the season ahead. We'll be with you twice a week, every week. Thanks very much for joining. We hope you have a wonderful weekend and enjoy the game wherever you're following it from. Thank you very much for joining us. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 